Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Recap: The Revs scored five goals on the Inner Miami defense in their first ever meeting between the two teams. Uh, a very confident win from a New England team that is just rolling and remains in first place. The Revs got two goals from Arnold Tristesen. Uh, they got two goals from Adam Buxa. They got allegedly two assists from Carla Seal. At the time of recording, that is disputed, and currently MLS has it down as one assist, uh, but it should be two assists. Uh, an overall laugher of a game. Uh, from the New England Revolution and a very, very strong, confident win. Uh, my name is Greg Johnstone, and this is actually a Twitter Spaces episode. We did another episode on Twitter Spaces with a lot of listener feedback, a lot of listener questions. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, so we're going to play that audio for you in a second, but uh, we just wanted to tell you that uh, if you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap so you can join in the next Twitter Spaces and you can ask us questions and voice your opinions uh, the next time we do one of these episodes. Uh, and also be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram uh, if you don't already, because we'll be letting you you, uh, we'll update you on, on when we're going to do another one of these. Uh, and also, please check out GalassoKits.com uh, and follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can use 15% off your order uh, with promo code REVSRECAP. Uh, thank you to Galasso for uh, sponsoring this episode. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, and with that being said, our Twitter Spaces episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. I am Greg Johnstone. Chris Valuk is here, co-host of the podcast with us. Thank you all for joining us for this post-game show. We chose a very good game uh, as, as our post-game show. I, I actually don't have a whole lot of takes or a whole lot of complaints or a whole lot of the normal good stuff that I could come here and, and complain about because what we saw tonight was a amazing effort, a 100% effort all the way around. Everything went well for the Revolution. It wasn't even our best lineup. Um, and certainly, I, I don't think Miami is the strongest side, and I, I certainly expected them to, to take three points today, but I was not expecting to this degree. And for a team that, you know, they lost in Dallas, uh, they dropped some points in Columbus, they had that bad loss at home against Toronto, um, you know, winning at Atlanta and then coming out and absolutely destroying Miami in a statement midweek game, that is certainly as good as you can ask for. So let's, let's add to this is not just a statement midweek game. We also have three key players that are not on the roster as they're with U.S. Uh, men's national team as well as the uh, Canadian national team. You know, uh, Tejon Buchanan, of course, not with the Revolution. Matt Turner, not with the Revolution right now. And Henry Kessler just got called in to spell uh, Walker Zimmerman, who's out now uh, for the U.S. And this team, you, you expect the Revolution to you know, first place in the East, you expect first first place in the East to perform like they did tonight. And this is kind of maybe a coming out party of something that we've been expecting. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really nice to see it. And especially when first place is going up against, you know, last place in the, in the, in the conference, you expect uh, a, a more a complete performance uh, like we saw tonight. And this is something that we've really been missing. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing I want to bring up, too, that's kind of a key takeaway. And I, I mentioned this after the Columbus game, that this is a team that is you, you don't want to face them on any day. There's no game that you, you think they're going to lose. They're going to be a tough battle every single time. I have some stats here about how good this team is 
away from Foxborough. Um, this was their fourth road win of the season. Uh, they have 16 goals away from Foxborough. Uh, both of those are first in MLS. They've won four out of nine games on the road, which is pretty impressive. Um, mm. And the Revolution, since Bruce Arena took over, have won uh, 15 games and have scored 55 goals uh, since, since Bruce took over in mid-2019, about two years ago. Uh, and those are both the most in MLS. And that's a crazy stat when you consider how poor the Rebs were uh, under the Heaps, the final years of Jay Heaps and Brad Knighton, the, the Brad Knight, or, or sorry, not the Brad Knighton, the Brad Friedel era. Hmm. Um, you know, those teams, you expected one or two road wins a season. So Bruce Arena has really come in and changed this culture all the way around. And you expect them to come in and win every single game at this point, at least in my mind. Every single game, you expect them to have a fighting chance. Uh, and they're a really, really strong away team. And, you know, their home record is pretty damn good, too. So um, that's that. I just want to throw those stats out there before we kind of got into the swing of things and just say that this is a really, really strong team, both at home uh, and away from Foxborough. Uh, Chris, I, I don't know if anyone, by the way, we are taking, uh, I'll say calls, but if you want to join in the conversation, you can request to uh, speak. I will kind of go through. I'm kind of monitoring this. I will add you in uh, as time goes on. We did get a couple of questions over Twitter and on Discord, which we will get into in a second. Uh, but let's get, oh, we already got one Sunday afternoon fullbacks, not Brian Campbeller. I'm, uh, this, I forgot there's like a five-second delay, so I'm going to, oh, I think you're in now. Can you hear me Sunday afternoon fullbacks? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you doing tonight? I, I'm doing wonderful. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I have uh, I actually have two questions, if I'm allowed. Do you guys allow two questions, or do I only get one? You get you get as many questions as your heart desires. All right. Well, I, yeah, I guess I already asked one when I asked how you're doing. Uh, do you want me to ask both of them together? Do you want me to ask one and listen and let you answer and then ask the other? What's your preferred format? Are they? Why don't you go one at a time? Let's I'm, I'm, I'm a few drinks in. I've had a few rum and Cokes. I don't want to overcomplicate things. So why don't you start with one and then we'll go from there. All right. Arnor, Arnor Tristison. Uh, I thought he was absolutely terrific tonight, uh, especially when he had the ball at his feet, like not even just the two goals when he had the ball at his feet in the middle of the field, especially and he was running at defenders. Like he just looks confident tonight. Uh, how much of that was like, we're finally seeing how good he is and how much was just Miami absolutely sucks. <laughs> You know, he made a comment in the post-game uh, press conference. He spoke to the media tonight, and he made a comment that he he's a lot more comfortable in the central part of the field as opposed to a you know straight winger. Um, and so it might have been that playing in this diamond shape might have suited his strengths a little bit more. Um, I think part of it too is probably after that first goal, maybe there's a little bit more confidence. Uh, maybe this break has kind of been good for him to to kind of reset. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, Miami absolutely sucks. So a little column A, a little column B. I'm going to throw in a, add a, adding a little bit more confidence. But I, I think today it kind of played to his strengths a little bit. Uh, Chris, you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's a, a lot to do with his confidence. You know, particularly when we've seen Arner on the pitch and he's missing chances or he's getting dispossessed. Small little things that just kind of happen over the course of a game. And you kind of see his confidence just kind of wane and wane more and more as the game goes on. But tonight, he, he made it count pretty early on. I think it was... 12th minute, 18th minute, something like that. I didn't actually look at the clock, but it was pretty early on. It was in the you know, first 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And uh, he bagged his goal. He got, you know, broke the duck, I think is what Charlie was saying. And uh, you, you could see the smile on his face. It was uh, uh, 
it was just, it was really nice to see see something come to fruition that you know that he's been working for. He is you know a tirelessly working player on the pitch, and to see him finally bag that goal. And then once he got one goal, it just never stopped. He just seemed to ramp up that engine, and seeing that was uh, it was it was really really promising. Yeah, it was hard to tell how much like he was great and he was great and like the whole team was really good tonight and how much Miami mm-hmm. again they sucked but also yeah. like Ryan Shawcross just absolutely useless. He do- he doesn't care. That's a Premier League player who came over here and he's just doing the typical like MLS retirement thing. Like that's what Shawcross looked like tonight. Just absolute waste of a player. Yeah, he's waiting to bump some smokes off Higuain there. <laughs> it's funny too cuz I was having a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about Messi coming to inner Miami or something like that. And I said, do you really think Leo Messi, after all he's done and all he's accomplished, he's going to look at Miami and say, yeah, I want to bring an MLS cup to South Florida. He doesn't care. If he ever comes to MLS, he's going to dog it too. Uh, what was the run that uh, Higuain uh, passed to Pizarro and Pizarro just stopped running? I mean, <laughs> it, 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 this team doesn't care. And, you know, I understand what, the people who built inter Miami was trying to do, they were trying to build a star studded team, but I mean, they, they just backfired in the most horrific way. And I was, I was saying, you know, I think in five years, people are going to look at FC Cincinnati and they're going to look at inter Miami and they're going to say, well, FC Cincinnati wasn't that bad because Miami has done everything completely wrong. And they're just not, I don't know. I, I do not see them as a very, very good uh, franchise, very well-run franchise. So uh, what was your second question before we move on to Seth? Uh, what was your second question there? Sunday afternoon fullbacks. Um, yeah, so my second question, if you were to rate uh, tonight's attacking performance, we're going to go with the attacking performance, on a scale of using the Applebee's appetizer menu, um, so you could pick any item from the Applebee's appetizer menu to describe the attacking performance tonight, what item would you pick and why? Um, boy, that's a really... I'll jump in because that's, what, oh, that's that's my dish at Applebee's, is, that, is all appetizers, and for me, it, it was honey barbecue wings... All the way. Uh, that's what I get all the time, and that makes me happy. And tonight, I am happy um, getting to watch this attack. And you know, you want to grade it a bit on a curve. Maybe say it was, I don't know, a, a lot because of how bad Miami is. I was gonna try to name a worse uh, appetizer, but honestly, I don't eat much else. <laughs> so I, I had no, I had nothing to go with. I was trying to set myself up, but I, I failed. But it, it was a fantastic performance. Uh, barbecue wings for me. I am going to kind of cheat here, and I'm going to say that this is the appetizer sampler because we got a little bit of everything tonight. We got a goal from a set piece. We had some really fast counterattacks. We had some nice ball movement in the box. We were dangerous from everywhere. So we got a little bit of everything, and everything was delicious. So that is my answer to what uh, appetizer uh, was. Although David Civilian just said on Twitter uh, that he is, of course. Also, David said, don't get too overhyped. I'm overhyped. If, I, if I'm not allowed to be overhyped, when am I allowed to be overhyped? So I'm pretty overhyped. So, right. uh, and Applebee's, if you're listening, we're, we're looking for more sponsorships as well. I'm we're always, always... that Applebee's sponsorship, but, you know, so what? Uh, Seth, uh, did you have a question? Seth from the Bent Musket was in here. Uh, by the way, if you've requested to speak, uh, stay re- requested. I'll get to you eventually. We're going down the line. But Seth, you had a question. Yeah, that last question was really great. I enjoyed that, so I'm not sure I can top it. Uh, I have seven questions. Do you want me to ask them all at once, or do you want me to ask them one by one, or how does the process go? Alphabetical order, preferably. Yeah. I, just, I just have one question. Uh, so, you know, the, the the team looks really good in the last two games against not the greatest competition, but, you know, let's say hyped and let's stay uh, pumped about 
what the team looks like. My uh, my question for you guys is how does everything line up when you get everyone uh, back? Because I'm not sure um, Buchanan fits in this this 4-4-2 type formation. And, you know, Buchanan's been really, really good. And how do you end up getting all the players on the field? Who goes to the bench? Like, what does the, the lineup look like, especially uh, beyond the back four? That's a really good question. We actually got another question from Bobby Reverton, who says that if uh, if the Massiel we saw today is the Massiel we actually have, does Arena change the shape uh, and kind of do more of a midfield triangle, uh, or does he revert back to that four-two-three-one? Uh, and I think we had another question too on Discord. I'm kind of reading this as they're all coming in. Uh, I thought we had another question about the formation, but yeah, it's a really tough one to justify. And I, I think the answer is you have to revert back to that four-two-three-one. Uh, because you, you need to find a way to get Tejan back in the, the lineup. The only caveat I would have is that if this midfield triangle works amazingly over the next few games, and if it continues to work out very well, maybe we move Tejan to wingback as kind of an attacking wingback that we saw last year in the playoffs. And we, I mean, unfortunately, I, I think Brandon Bay gets moved to the bench. I think that's a bit of a tough luck result. Um, but if, you know, Arnor is playing better kind of in this kind of midfield triangle uh, behind heel, um, if we're getting really, really good performances out of Polster and Maciel and, you know, Tommy Mack was pretty decent tonight, too. I mean, everyone seems to be playing a little bit better uh, in this kind of cluster. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think that if we see some more promising results, I could see them ditching the 4-2-3-1. But as of right now, I, I don't think you can take everything away from Miami because Miami's defense is horrid. Um, and, and I think they just allowed everyone to get space. So I'm not fully convinced. I think we go back to the 4 uh, but certainly a, a really, really uh, good night for a formation change. Yeah, I mean, I'll, if you look at the, the litmus test of this, it's, you know, basically a high schooler taking a second-grade test. It You can't really take a whole lot away from this game as far as tactics and what to do going forward. Basically, you're going to look at this game and say a lot of players got confidence, a lot of players got goals. They did what they were supposed to do, which is a good thing moving forward. And it's just it's just one more step uh, as the team progresses to be potentially the top team in MLS. Uh, I don't know if Seattle played tonight, but if they didn't, I believe that means you know the Revolution are Supporter Shield uh, leaders right now. Of course, that can change. But this it's just one more building block towards um, that success. As far as the midfield goes and the shape, I thought Massiel was fantastic tonight and really bossed the entire midfield. Again, it doesn't say a whole lot when we're looking at how the opposition played because I think they afforded Masiel a lot of space to operate in and a lot of time. It, it, my him, his team, is it, they just seem slow, lethargic, and really didn't care specifically in midfield and defense. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious, and uh, I'll mute myself again. But I'm just curious because uh, I, I tend to agree with you that you're likely going to go back to that four-two-three-one because Buchanan's so good about getting forward, uh, drawing fouls. Like he's been really electric as a as a winger, um, and I, I'm not sure if you want to play him as a a, a wing back by that fullback position. Uh, we saw in Canada he kind of fell asleep a little bit defensively, um, and when he moved further up the field, he was so dangerous for Canada. So uh, just kind of put you guys on the spot. If you go back to that formation, then are you moving uh, Bo to the the left side and playing him on the the left side? Is you are you moving Buxa to the bench? Like, what happens with that that attacking end of the field in order to put Buchanan back out there in that formation? Yeah, I was just gonna say 
if you go back, which I think is your strongest formation, then you have an Adam Buxa problem again, where you have a guy with seven goals who's tied for third in MLS, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if that's an updated stat, but you have a guy that's got seven goals through 15 games of the season, and he sat a good chunk of that on the bench. Um, you know, is he is he moving back to the bench because he wasn't really fitting into that formation? You know, otherwise, do you move Bo away from uh, where he's played pretty well this season? So, yeah, that's a, a really, really good question. Um, I think you go back to having Buxa back on the bench as you had it previously because the Revs were in a good run of form at that point. But uh, I still am going to take the coward's way out and say I see I need to see a little bit more of this formation uh, before I, I'm ready to kind of commit to it. Because if if we see more positive results, I, I think there's a really, really strong case to you just keep using this formation until it falls apart. And I don't I don't think that's the coward's way out, to be honest. I think that's the logical uh, answer right now. We need to see we need to see more of the of this formation and maybe see how the. Uh, the regular starters that are currently not on the roster would integrate into maybe something like this. Yeah. The, the, the answer is, I don't know yet. Ask me in three weeks. That's kind of my question. That's my, my answer here. So uh, we did get, by the way, we did get a question from Macho on how do you justify switching back to a wide formation after how well a narrow one has been performing over the last few matches, which is a really, really good point. The only thing I can really say is just, you know, Miami is Miami, and I don't want to draw too much of a conclusion from that. So, uh, Randy LH is here. Randy has been on hold for a while. Any Revs UK has been on hold for a while, too, so I'll get to you in a second, Mike. Uh, but, Randy, welcome to Twitter Spaces. I'm glad it worked for you. Hey, gentlemen. Glad I was able to figure this out. We are, welcome. too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I think we're all pretty much agreed that scoring goals isn't really a problem for this team. And personally, I'm really concerned about our defense still. I mean, as I think a few people pointed out, Miami's offense is not great. And yet our defense still seemed to struggle at points. I mean, Miami hit the woodwork like twice. And one of those was before we'd even scored. I think if they score before we score, it maybe changes the dynamic of the game a lot. I didn't think Della Garza brought anything to our defense. I still don't think Bell brings as much as the memes would have you believe. So what are y'all's thoughts on our defense in general and any thoughts on whether there's anything we can or should do while the, the transfer window is still open to shore it up a little bit? Well, and I won't tweet this out because on Twitter, I'm all about the memes uh, and the jokes, but there were a couple of moments there with John Bell. I think in the 25th-ish minute, he had a really, really bad turnover where he kind of passed it to the other team and led to a dangerous counter. Um, and that kind of sticks out as his big mistake for me in the game. Outside of that, I, I don't remember too many mistakes from him. Um, so you still see the occasional rookie mistake, uh, but you're right. Am I feeling confident about John Bell as a starting center back? Eh, probably not. Uh, and you're mentioning some early Miami chances. Lewis Mar Morgan in the 35th minute right before uh, the Tristison goal, which made it 2-0. Um, Lewis Morgan had a really, really nice shot off the bar that, you know, he came streaking into the box unmarked. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Miami had some chances to make this a, a completely different game. And there were some cracks at times uh, in the defense. Um, and I don't want to say they were lucky to get a shutout, but I, I think at one point off a corner kick, it looked like someone was pulled down in the box, which was a questionable uh, PK. There was a couple times it was off the, the post. Lewis Morgan had a, a cross in the 74th minute that I, I think it was a cross, but it just barely went wide of the post. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, there, there were some chances for Miami and Miami did have some bad luck tonight. Um, overall, I, I don't think this game changed anything in my mind in terms of the back line. And by that, I mean, I think we need to add a center back um, preferably. I don't know if it's a Tam or a DP level center back. Uh, but I, I think they need someone to come in. And if Andrew Farrell is a surefire starter for Bruce, which we have no reason to believe he's not, you know, Bruce has played him every single minute, fine. 
But I want to see Kessler out there every day to see him regain his form. And if you don't have faith in Kessler, I want to see someone else brought in to at least bring some stability. Because I don't think the outside backs are a problem. I think Brandon By and Juan Jones have been really, really fine. Um, De La Garza, kind of a forgettable appearance, but I don't hate him as a depth outside back. Um, I still don't like him as a center back. So, yeah, I, 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 this game, you know, they, they have two shots in a row and whoop-de-doo, uh, but, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of bad luck and Miami just not being that sharp of a team. Uh, and I, I, I do think you're going to get punished when you run up against a better team offensively. I, I would like to add maybe that that could be a little bit of a harsh uh, criticism against the Rose because, yes, Miami's offense is not that great. But if you look at who they have on that pitch, they are uh, loaded with talent. And these players are so experienced and so skillful. When they want to, they can just destroy you. Yet all game, they seem to, you know, do nothing. Um, yeah, there was a couple of crossbars. Uh, and there was that, that cross that you mentioned in the 73rd minute, I think it was, that almost went in. But Overall, not much happened, and there's still a goose egg on that scoreline. I think that we still need to give a lot of credit to this defense and how they were able to to stifle Miami from even get getting one shot in the in the net. Uh, on the contrary, though, to Randy's point, if if that first shot from uh, I, f- I forget what player it was you said, but if that first shot that hit the crossbar had gone in before Tristan had scored the first goal it would have been a completely different game. And uh, I don't think it would have been close to a, you know, a five, one scoreline. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm looking at the standings right now, just a, a, a stat to throw out here, which is a little concerning. New England has 18 goals conceded through 30 games or not 30 games, the 15 games, which that doesn't really stand out as very concerning, but among the seven teams that are currently in the playoffs, uh, that is by far the most. They have 18. Next is Montreal with 16, although Montreal has one more game to play. Uh, and then 15 or below for the rest of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, goals conceded, I mean, they're not dominating in that stat. And I know there's been some bad luck. Bruce mentioned that, you know, they've had some fluky plays and all that. But um, I don't know. I, I still think center back is a little bit of a weakness that I'm not totally in love with it. So, uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to upgrade at center back, I am still 100% on board for that. And I think that is definitely where the revolution in Bruce Arena needs to look. Even even if it's just, even if you say, I really have a lot of faith in Kessler, he's a U.S. men's national team center back, that's fine. But, uh, you know, down the stretch, I want to see Kessler try to regain that form we saw last year. Um, you know, and again, no disrespect to John Bell. I think he's a fine center back, but I don't, he, he doesn't have a, I, I don't have a ton of confidence in him going into MLS Cup with John Bell at center back. Uh, yeah, I'd I mean, rather it, see a Henry Kessler in form there in that spot um at center back and if he isn't in that, in that form I, I want someone to pair with Andrew Farrell um if Andrew, again if Andrew Farrell is the starter I'm not totally sold on that either but anyway that's a, right. that's a story for another day um third well, all time in, in revolution history and appearances by the way congrats to Andrew Farrell tying Matt Reese tonight 254 uh, that's a pretty incredible he's not even on over 30 revs twitter yet uh but he's uh, already <laughs> third in appearances so sorry Chris what were you gonna say no no I, I just wanted to say to to that point is Andrew Farrell also, I'm not necessarily, I don't want me to disrespect him because I think that he deserves to be getting a lot of the minutes that he's had, but I'm not, I'm not sold that he is our number one center back. I think the revolution's number one center back. I don't know if it's Andrew Farrell. I don't think it should be. I think it should be Henry Kessler and whoever plays best with Henry Kessler. If that is Andrew Farrell, then that's fine. But I think that there needs to be an upgrade maybe in that department. Uh, 
I am a huge Farrell supporter, and I thought that he had a great game tonight. Uh, he even had one of his classic uh, extravagant clearances where he went sliding down. Uh, it was late in the game, like the 80th minute or something. And uh, it's classic Andrew Farrell. We love to see it. He's a fan favorite, but I think that is that is the center back that we need to work on upgrading and find a better partner to go along with Henry Kessler. By the way, John Bell with his first career MLS assist tonight. Love to see it. Uh, Mike, any Revs UK? You've been waiting for like three hours. I apologize for keeping you on hold so long, but please welcome to Twitter Spaces. I think this is your first Twitter Spaces. I don't think you are here last time. Very excited for you to join the show. Oh, no, we lost him. No. Well, uh, three hours with a time difference. Is that like six hours or something? Uh, uh, he fell asleep. He was watching the Great British Bake Off and, you know, got sight. Oh, now he's muted. I think we lost him. Damn it. All right, hang on. I got a question here from Charles Maddox on Twitter. Does anyone know when we really start looking at points for the postseason? I thought I saw something about 45 points to get us into the playoffs, and I don't know about that. That sounds right. I probably, if I had time to prepare this podcast, I would look up that number. But we're at 30 points. Um, we're, we're seven points clear of Philadelphia, who has one game in hand, and eight points clear of Orlando, who has two games in hand. Uh and we're 10 points clear, actually more than that, we're 13 points clear of the Red Bulls, who have three games in hand. This is really not a good way to go off of this, but the point is we're, we're at two points per game. Um, that's keeping up pace with Kansas City and Seattle in the West. Um, I don't think making the playoffs is a bit of an issue. I, I think it's more about holding down that one seed, getting the bye, uh, and, and getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I, I think that's really mm -hmm. important. And I don't have here, let me give me a second. Let's so see. I think the baseline is typically 43 to 45 points, something like that. You're going to, you're going to be getting in the playoffs. That's what you need. Uh, but the playoff field has expanded since. So I don't know where that number sits today. Let's see here. So seventh place in 2019 was the revs at 45 points and New York city in first place had 1.88 points per game. LAFC in 2019 at 2.12. Um, in 2018, New York won the was first place with 2.09 points per game. Atlanta had 2.03, uh, and 1.35 was the cutoff. So postseason they should be good. Um, I don't want to say that you know about halfway in through the season, but uh, really what you should be focusing on is keeping that two points per game pace, um, mm -hmm. and that's where you're going to get that one seed. So, uh, Mike, any refs UK? You back? Did we, did you wake up? Uh, I think so. I think I'm good. Can you all hear yes. me? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. Hey, Mike. Hey, morning, morning. Well, uh, evening, even, sorry. Um, yeah, basically, I just, uh, an observation, really, and, and then a question off the back of it, probably. But um, obviously, we played the same formation, what we pretty much lined up against Atlanta with. The biggest thing for me that I think I took away from this game, though, was that in the Atlanta game, there was a lot of space between the front three. So, obviously, we had um, Adam, Gustavo, and, and Carlos. And then behind that, with kind of three defensive-minded midfielders. I think it left a lot of space. Um, and although it was on a poor Atlanta side, they still were able to kind of create chances and probably cause us more issues than they could do. Uh, I think against Inter Miami, again, they were, they were poor. But I feel that having maybe Arnold there was was uh, with a slightly more attacking mindset kind of made that gap less so. And I also think that the fact that we have Teal um, also tracking back, because obviously Teal kind of, works like a box-to-box -box midfielder anyway. Uh, but I think we mm. probably lose that when we have Gustavo on the pitch because Bo's not as naturally as fit as, as Teal is. He doesn't track back as much. Obviously, Carlos, he generally doesn't really have a position, so he's generally just floating around wherever he finds space. So we kind of almost lose 
three players up top when we, we play that formation. I think with with um, with not none of them tracking back, but I felt with with Teal and, and uh, Arnold today, I think I felt we kind of had a, a smaller gap to fill. Um, so maybe that's something that we've possibly got to look at going going forward if we are going to revert. Uh, sorry, stick with this formation rather than reverting back. Um, and then just off, really, off, obviously, your thoughts on possibly, you know, formation which you've already spoke about. But then, then also, kind of, you were mentioning earlier about the, the transfers and for the revolution. And I, I do think defensively is somewhere we probably are the only real place now we probably need to add some quality to. Um, and again, I'm a massive Andrew Farrell fan, a uh, massive Henry Kessler fan, but I do think that it's probably the one area we do need to kind of bring in someone to, to push them to. Cause I think if they get too comfortable, they've got no one challenging for, and if one of them does get an injury or suspension, then we're, we're quite thin on the ground. But, but realistically, who, who is out there for us? Who, who could we bring in? Obviously we've got no DP slots. We've got no international slots at the moment. I know we could go out and buy one, but who, who is out there for the revs to, to fill that center back uh, space? You know, I, I, I wish I knew. Um, and I am under the impression, I'm guessing that Bruce has someone in mind because he's hinted at that that signing from the coffee with the coach segment from a few weeks ago with Bahoda, uh, where he said it sounded like they were trying to finalize a signing. And my guess is that was either a central midfielder or a center back. Um, central midfield right now looks pretty good. Uh, I've really been impressed with uh, the central midfielders over the past few, few games. So uh, hopefully it's a center back. But um, boy, I, I don't really know. But the one nice thing about center back is you can make a trade in MLS. You can get a really quality MLS center back. You don't need to go to England to get Mancien uh, or Claude Dielna. You know, you, you can go out and make a trade and look at some of the bottom feeders in the league and find a really, really strong defender who's not making that much of an impact on a team that's really struggling right now. Um, and, and bring them in. You know, if they have a high salary, you can bring them in. I, I got asked this question on a podcast a few weeks ago, um, and I, I was kind of put on the spot, and I didn't really think about it. But uh, one guy that I, I kind of was thinking about was Omar Gonzalez is in Toronto. Toronto's a dumpster fire. They're looking to shed salary. I mean, that shouldn't cost the Revs anything to take on that salary and bring him in. Not to say that I think Omar Gonzalez is the guy to fix our um, problems, but just as kind of like a baseline, like there's no reason that someone like that can't come in. Um, you know, obviously, I hope it's someone a little bit better. I, I hope it's a little, someone maybe a little bit younger. Um, I mean, we can kind of think on the Bruce tree, like maybe like the Dave Romney types um, as, as, you know, Bruce guys that maybe he's able to swing a trade with. Um, but there's someone in MLS. If I was the guess, I, I'd guess Bruce makes a trade and gets a center back. And then I would imagine I think he's going to use some TAM and make a bigger splash signing, maybe a left winger, uh, maybe a central midfielder. I, I think that's we're going to see kind of those two moves where he kind of makes a I don't want to say budget move, but he makes an MLS standard move to really improve that back line, and then maybe takes a chance and come and brings in someone uh, a little flashier with some tam on the offensive side or, or in the midfield. Uh, Chris, that's kind of my rambling. Obviously, we don't have any inside information, but um, what are your thoughts about the the center back and what Bruce can do in this transfer window? Yeah, you know. I was leading the same way as you. I'm, I'm thinking there's something in MLS. I like the Omar Gonzalez shout. I think that's a, a typical Bruce move. That's something that you would see happening. I don't necessarily like the idea of that move happening. I it think it's a good, be, it a good a shout. Target. There needs to be someone higher than that. I'm just right. throwing that out there as a baseline. But yes. Some, somewhere between Omar Gonzalez and bringing John Brooks back from Germany. Uh, something in between there I think would be okay. Uh, I don't have a name, of course, like you don't either, but it's it, it would be some sort of 
MLS style move, I think as well. Uh, I, I I can't think off the top of my head of any any player specifically that that would be a good target. But the player that Bruce mentioned uh, in in coffee with the coach is a player that he said that he's been looking for uh, or trying to get for 18 months. And so that to me tells me that maybe this is not an MLS player. Maybe this is someone overseas. I don't necessarily know what more to think about it than that. You know, you can lead in, uh, lead, lead yourself on many different paths thinking about what, it, what type of player he's looking for. But. And it's worth noting that 18 months ago in that window, uh, Bruce tried bringing in Samba Kamara. Not to say it's Samba Kamara, but they were looking at center backs 18 months ago. Uh, so it very well could be a center back. Uh, Dave, you've been on hold for a while. Dave, did you have a question you want to join or a comment about the Revs absolutely destroying Inter-Miami tonight? Yeah. Um, one, uh, two things quick. First, one, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? That was so fun. Uh, two, I'm so stoked to hear Mike from the UK, uh, Revs UK here, still up. Love to hear him. Um, I don't know if this is much of a question, or a comment, I guess it's probably more of a comment, but um, the thing I'm, I think I'm like most low-key excited about is, is, is Massiel continuing to develop, especially next to Polster, who's been fantastic um, this year. I think he should be the all-star uh, defensive mid because he's been very like under the radar good. But if Massiel continues to play like he did today, like, yeah, it's Miami, but him growing confidence like this and uh him <clears throat> blaze matuidi has been bad like he's been bad <laughs> yep but he still bodied blaze matuidi like it was nothing you yeah, know what yeah. i mean like that's yeah matuidi's still the like him the, yeah he's like still the third highest paid player at mls and a guy who's uh just got promoted from revs two is out there dominating him um, yeah, it's extremely encouraging to see. And, you know, we, we heard Bruce in the preseason talk about him. And uh, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of Revs 2. Actually, if Mike wants to join in on this conversation here in a second, uh, just so we get a more, I know it's like 5 a.m. there, so I, I kind of want to hear his thoughts on this because I think he watches more Revs 2 than me. But I didn't know that Maciel was this dominating player. And I went back and I looked at stats, and, you know, he's a holding midfielder, so I guess he doesn't jump off of the page. But I didn't really feel like a lot of people were talking about him last year. And then coming into training camp, Bruce keeps talking about Maciel, Maciel, Maciel. So it wasn't a huge, you know, surprise that he was signed, but he was going to start in Chicago in the season opener. And he, he does really well. He doesn't lose possession a whole ton. He fits in very well. He's an MLS caliber central midfielder um so yeah i mean th this is the why you have revs too you have these guys that you can fit on the supplementary roster but you're getting you know starting minutes out of them and, and you're getting really impressive performances out of them um and, and you're coming in and you're shutting down dp so yeah i mean i, I absolutely love the development of Maciel from what i've seen mike uh, i want to kind of fire it over to you did, did how much revs two did you watch last year and um what did you think of Maciel? kind of moving up like did, did you see this coming at all um i actually watched i'd probably say equal amounts of Rev, revs 2 and, and revs games because revs 2 were all on youtube it's like they are this season every single game is live on, on youtube um i think he had a, a, a good season um so i kind of wasn't surprised that he was getting moved up but he, he what's weird from watching him uh, play for revolution 2 to now in the first team is that he he's actually better in the first team than he was he didn't. He didn't shine. I, didn't, I wouldn't say like he like if you watch the Revolution two over I don't know, five six games, he goes a standout player. And you think he just kind of went out his job and did it really and did it to a good standard. 
Um, but then since he's come into the uh, Revolution first team, I've been really surprised by how he's kind of just took it in his stride and just continued just doing... Again, I don't think he does anything flashy. I think he just does the basics really, really well. And that's kind of all you really want that kind of player to do. He, he reminds me um, at time, he's, he reminds me of, of a very few different players. But um, And again, I'm not putting him on the same kind of standard of him. But in a way, uh, the way he plays sometimes reminds me of, of Michael Carrick, who played for Manchester United. Um, he very kind of goes about his business, doesn't really make headline news a lot of the time. But just, you know, without him in the team, though, like... Um, and again, even to this day, I don't think Manchester United have ever really replaced him. Mm. So I think that's kind of, again, I'm not saying he's on the same skills level as, as, as a player like him, but I think he's of a similar uh, standard of, of what well, he potentially could reach that standard. But yeah, it was um, it was a, was a shock to be fair. I, obviously, I, and I love the partnership between him and Polster that they're, uh, they seem to be growing as well. So do we think that we can sell Martial now to Manchester United? Because it sounds like they need a player like Martial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, another moment. Wait, wait for him to get his picture. Let's sell Tejan first, right? Yeah, uh, Tejan first. I also want to interrupt this uh, Masiel talk with a breaking news, although it's 27 minutes old, but apparently Brad Friedel was in attendance tonight uh, at the Inter-Miami game. So really, really big news. Uh, he, he ironically ran into fans in the, into the, park, in the parking lot, so... Uh, nice Brad Friedel appearance uh, cameo today in near Miami. Messi not the only one there today. So, was he was Messi there? The water break. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Mes- I think Messi was rumored to be there, but I didn't see anyone tweet out that he was actually there, uh, which is disappointing. But maybe that's a good thing if you're a Miami fan. Yeah. Uh, Sam Minton, uh, you've been on hold forever. Uh, you want to jump in here? You got a, a question or a comment after this five nothing drumming of Inter Miami? I mean, I didn't appreciate some of the John Bell slander, but it, honestly, he did have an up-and-down game, but it was, it was a recovery. But I want to talk about someone who apparently has escaped everyone's minds, Carlos Hill. Um, I know Bruce doesn't like being asked this because I asked him and he got pissed. He didn't get pissed. <laughs> he just didn't want to answer it. Um, but do you guys think he got another assist? Do you guys think he's going to break this assist record? Yeah, two assists uh, tonight. No, he's up to 12, he had, right? He had one assist. They took it away. Oh, that's nonsense. Yeah, that I believe is, so too. Yeah, there is a uh, Carlos Valderrama fan in Miami who's in charge of uh, the, the uh, scorekeeping tonight. That is, I would like to appeal that. I also think you could argue that he uh, deserves a secondary assist on that corner uh, that John Bell kind of scooped over to Tristison. So really, I think he should get three assists. One is outrageous. Um, so yeah, so what is he at? He's at uh, eleven through fifteen games. Um, how many games do we have this season? I feel like it changes every year. What are we at? Thirty-eight. I think it's a thirty-eight game season. So we're uh, almost at the halfway point. I, I think he's on pace to end up around that 26. If I am a gambling man, I would say he finishes comfortably in second, but I don't know if he breaks the record. I put the odds of Carlos Hill breaking the all-time uh, single-season assist record at, like, plus 225. Yeah, I'm with you in a way that I'm saying that I don't think he's going to break it uh, at the current pace, but I would love to be proven wrong. Because that would just be such a fantastic uh, sight to behold. Uh, 20, 26 assists in a season. Is that, that's the record, right? Yeah, that's yes. um, that, that's just unreal, really. Um, uh, Carly's heel is the way that we see him play. I mean, I think that maybe he should have even had an assist on on Books's second goal. You know, I, where do you think 
uh, Gustavo Bo learned to pass like that. So, uh, you know, let's just pad these these Carly's heel stats. Let's let's lobby. Uh, I'm all for trying to get him that that assist record. So whatever we need to do to help him get there, uh, but. It, it's just such a beauty to watch watch him get these assists every single week. Technically, because he was wearing the armband and he gave that to Bo, doesn't that mean he gets the assist? <laughs> I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. I think it counts, Mike. Good. Now, one thing I want to ask is, do you guys feel bad for Inter-Miami fans at all? If you feel bad for Inter-Miami fans at all, give me a laugh emoji right now. Uh, you know, this team, a new franchise, you have big expectations. David Beckham's involved. It takes years to get this thing off the ground. Uh, and, and really, it's just been a disaster of a franchise. Um, can you guys hear me, by the way? Did this just cut out? No, I hear you, fine. Loud I hear you. Anyway, my point is, I feel bad for Inter-Miami fans. And two Inter-Miami fans that I feel really, really bad for uh, are Mateo and John of Galasso Kits, our sponsor, uh, and I feel really, really t- sorry for them, but I also want to thank them for sponsoring this episode because Galasso Kits is the go-to place for unique vintage jerseys. Uh, the passion for the beautiful game doesn't have to have borders, and neither does the selection. If you head to galassokits.com today, you get 15% off your order using the code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP for check- at checkout for 15% off your order at galassokits.com. And by the way, there is still that 2002 New England Revolution away jersey that is spiffy. Uh, and also, there is a nice red 2000, year 2000 New England Revolution MLS 1.0 windbreaker. Uh, that should not be there longer either. So check out Galasso Kits today. Thank you to John and Mateo for sponsoring us. Had to get in the sponsor. Appreciate them. Galasso Kits, Revs recap 15% off. Uh, what a segue. <laughs> That was, that was amazing. Well done. I mean, that it really was. Very smooth. Very smooth. It took me a while to get there. Uh, and, and I thought I was having connection issues. So I was like, boy, this is a lot of buildup and it's going to cut out <laughs> through anyway. But we got there and I appreciate you sticking with me today. Uh, let's get Cameron in here. Cameron, who usually I talk to on the Discord. Uh, Cameron, uh, can you hear me? Or are you in on this Twitter spaces? Cameron. Oh, no. Cameron, oh no, did it fail? Ah, all right, we'll go to Will. I, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, oh there there's a lag time, so I, I'm never sure if it's still loading or if, uh, <laughs> if my connection is cut. I'm a boomer that is like somehow 32 years old. I'm terrible at technology, but the important thing is you're here, Cameron. Cameron, what are your thoughts tonight? I thought it was a really good game. The first 10 minutes, definitely a bit shaky, but the Revs really seemed to get away from that the first like four chances in six minutes for Miami. And they, once they got that first goal, it was just the things kind of started rolling. Like you could see that Miami, their heads kind of went down a little bit after the heel to Tristan single. Mm-hmm. And after that, it was the revs kind of, they were doing everything. And it was a, it was a great game for the finals 80 minutes. Yeah. You could, you could see when, once uh, Miami went down a goal, the look on their face was like, oh, we're doing this again and uh, just going to be conceding goals. That back line for Miami, I just I, I'm I'm really shocked that they're professional athletes. Maybe they just had a bad game. All of them. I don't know. I don't watch enough Miami to to say one way or the other, but there was opportunities all around. This game finished five nil. Let's not forget that there was probably three or four other goals that were probably super easy like almost guarantee goals that just didn't go in for whatever reason. And yeah. it, it, this game could have been so much worse 
than a five nil loss for Miami. Um, I, yeah, I, I'll yeah, let you take that, Greg. I was gonna say Teal Bunbury offside in the first half. See, I'm. I'm going to mention three Teal chances. Teal should have come away with a lot more than one goal in this game, but Teal mm-hmm. Bunbury had the offside play in the first half where he's a, a foot offside. Him and Books just get that timing a little bit off. Uh, and then there's the three-on-one play where I don't think Teal was expecting Bo- uh, Buxa to leave it off for him, um, and Marsman makes the save. That was a really nice play as well. And then in the second half, there was that Carlos Heel chip uh, to Bunbury, and Bunbury tips it beautifully in the air, um, and that was a great save as well. So Teal really himself got robbed of three goals. Um, there, there were a lot of really good chances. Five nothing, I, I think, is actually a, a, you know, I think Miami probably deserved to get on the scoreboard tonight, um, but New England deserved more than five. I thought, I, I thought this defense was pretty, pretty terrible all the way around. And, and you're right, Cameron. I think this was a game where, you know, this is Miami's sixth straight loss. You know, the Revs have been there. The Revs have been in losing streaks, and then you concede first, and then it's like, ah, oh, here we go again. Um, and it just seemed like, especially after that second goal, I think you mentioned that second goal. The rest of that first half, I mean, Tristison scored in the 36th minute. Um, wait, is that the second goal? No, sorry. That was the third goal. It's uh, the Bunbury goal, which was in the, boy, what was it? The 20, 27th. 27th minute. Yeah, I, I feel like that that last 20 minutes, Miami just was done with that game. Like, mentally, they just seemed out of it. And, I mean, Carlos Hill had all the space in the world. And, you know, you, you need to keep that guy you need to keep that guy marked and, and yeah, I mean, New England just could do whatever they wanted for that final 20 minutes. But yeah, if you just were watch the first 20 to 25 minutes of this game, Miami doesn't look like a joke. It, it takes that second goal from Bunbury where, you know, the heads start to drop. So, well, I, I want to give a quick credit. You just made, you reminded me of how the second half started. And I think that Miami did a fantastic job considering that they're down four nil coming out of the break. All they did was apply pressure to the revs. And the refs, they were able to withstand it. It was always, you know, maybe that final pass was missing for Miami. But they did the stop. They really put on a lot of pressure for the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the second half. And uh, credit to them being down 4-0 and still having, you know, the gall to go ahead and, and push like that. Absolutely. Um, Will, I know you've been waiting for a while. Will, are you with us? Uh, do you have a question? Well, ah, uh, we might have we might have caught him at a bad moment. I I, I admitted him earlier. Um, uh, technology yes, laugh emoji. Yes, uh, Will. I don't know what the. What, I uh, think my connection is very poor tonight because it's taking longer to get people. Stop laughing at me, Tay on Stan. Uh, Will, what what's up? <laughs> well, um, first off, I'm using an iPhone. I'd like part of the issue here. Um, okay. but I just checked MLS's website. <laughs> Carla's on one assist is absolutely criminal. Um, the first goal to Arnor, he had the corner. Yep. And then he had the fancy footwork later, and Books had the volley. So I don't know why he only has one assist, because those were two direct assists. Yeah. What I who who told me that? I forget. Was it Dave? What is there any explanation? I'm kind of scrolling Twitter. How is that possibly one assist? Those you're, you're I, absolutely I, right. I, I think Carlos hit the chip beautifully, and it like glanced someone's thigh, like kind of glanced it, and it took like a millimeter deflection. Yeah, it, it hit Bruce's like, thigh maybe into the net. That was. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, it's Bruce scored it though. But Bucs scored. Is that the one that they took away? The Bucs goal? Yeah, yeah, it's the Bucs goal. No, I, I, think it, I think it hit the, uh, Hang on. Miami, like, thigh, like, 
and it took a millimeter deflection, but it didn't. So I don't know. Yeah, that's my best guess, but it, it's an assist. I am not happy with that. I think that uh, I will tweet out justice for Carlos once or twice and hope that is enough to actually uh, uh, former uh, Rev's beat guy, John Siegel just got a promotion at MLS. So I'll DM him and say, uh, if you don't get this changed, we are no longer friends. Uh, and I, will I mean, on MLS, it says he's yep. given two assists. Yeah, I actually just pulled that up. MLS does have both of them down as an assist. So maybe there's some conflicting information. Does it have both of them? Because the last I saw it, they didn't give the second one. It said it had both assists, and I still have it up, and it shows two assists. Sick. All right, then. They fixed it. Well, 12 <laughs> assists. Figure it out. 12 assists. I'm going to lower the odds to breaking the record down from 225 to plus 200. Uh, there was one more person that requested to speak. Uh, I don't remember who it was. It looks like they pulled it back. If you wanted to send in a question uh, or, or join in the conversation, please do. Um, one person I wanted to talk about real quick, though, is Teal Bunbury. I thought he had a phenomenal performance tonight. Um, he's a guy that also is kind of competing for minutes, and he really did a great job stretching defense, hitting corners. Um, Chris, do you think Teal Bunbury earned some more minutes tonight? He, he was playing that striker role. I've been wanting to see him on the left wing. Uh, and, and kind of maybe battle with Tristison in that four-two-three-one, but did really, really well as a starting uh, starting forward tonight. Uh, Chris, what, what was your thoughts on Teal Bunbury? Yeah, I I agree. He did. He had a fantastic game. I was going into this match looking at some of the proposed fan lineups, and there was a couple of them that had Teal in it, and I was like, why are people putting Teal in? I I, I like Teal. I don't want to see him starting the match necessarily. I think it needs, if you're going to have two strikers, it needs to be Bo and Buxa. Uh, I understand given the rotation, you know, midweek game makes a lot of sense. And Teal went out and he proved me wrong saying, this is why he needs to, you know, maybe start once in a while. And has he really made a case maybe for more minutes? I don't know because when we have Tejan Buchanan back, when we have, uh, everyone else, I mean, the other players, I guess, are, are more defensive-based, but Tejon Buchanan, for instance, and when the formation is different, where do you fit Teal Bunbury into that? I think Teal has made a case that, hey, throw me into the rotation while we are missing players, while we are maybe experimenting with different formations. He's made a case for that. I don't know if he's necessarily going to get a start every week. Uh, he should get more minutes than maybe he has been getting so far this this season. And as far as talking minutes, real quick shout out to Emma Boateng. I thought that he had a very quiet night tonight, but he had not a bad night by any means. And I think that he deserves a lot more minutes than he's been getting to. And another person I think we should give a shout out to in his 75th career MLS appearance, Brad Knighton, with his second consecutive shutout, uh, had a really poor performance in my, or actually, I think Bruce Arena said too, it was a mediocre mm-hmm. performance against TFC. He had that, obviously, that that poor uh, error in the, the first couple of minutes, and that kind of set the tone of the game, and the refs never really, really dug their way back out of it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I was not doing the podcast after that game, because, you know, I, I probably would have called for Edwards. I, I was not- It was so bad we didn't have a podcast after that game. Yeah, it was a good time to not have a podcast because I would have had mm-hmm. a lot of takes that I think a lot of people, uh, I'd be looking quite silly right now. But uh, Brad Knight, in my opinion, is back in the trust tree. You know, you want kind of a steady goalkeeper who makes the saves you expect him to make. And Toronto, the, the second and third goal, really, you can't blame him too much for. It was really that first mistake that uh, was was pretty horrific. Um, but 
outside of that one mistake, Brad Knighton has been what you kind of expect in an MLS goalkeeper, a backup goalkeeper. Uh, and I, I thought he's done pretty well, uh, you know, pretty solid veteran presence and is, is doing pretty well. So uh, Dave Sibillian wanted to give a shout out real quick to uh, uh, Brad Knighton. And I want to give a shout out to him as well. I, I think he's doing pretty well in Matt Turner's absence. Yeah, you know, Greg, you and I have talked about this uh, offline before, and I know you were saying you really wanted Earl Edwards to get a shot, especially after that TFC game. I've still been in the night in camp ever since then, and I never necessarily lost trust in him. He obviously had a really bad game, and there's no way to hide that. But I think Brad Knighton is going to give you exactly what we got from him tonight. That's what you expect. He's an experienced veteran goalkeeper he's not gonna typically make those mistakes like maybe that's like a, a once a year type mistake that he made against tfc that really like i said it set the tone of the game and it really uh put the revs on the wrong foot far too early on in the match but aside from that he's been completely fine in that in my opinion maybe a little bit shaky here and there but as far as MLS standards go, he's been completely fine. He's been up to the challenge. I still have plenty of faith in Brad Knighton to go out and perform uh, every week. Yeah. I don't know if any of our listeners have any opinions on Brad Knighton either, but uh, he does deserve a lot of credit because it, when you're backing up a, a player like Matt Turner, who has seemingly come from nothing to become, uh, you know, U.S. men's national team starting goalkeeper in a fairly meaningful tournament uh, backing up a player like that and still be, you know, your expectations are obviously going to be elevated compared to backing up a player like Bobby Shuttleworth, who I love Bobby Shuttleworth, but they're, they're nowhere near the same level. Yeah. It's tough so, to fill. And, you know, I, I yeah. expect, you know, he, he's done pretty well and you expect, you need no mental errors. You need him to be where you would expect a goalkeeper to be, and you need him to make the saves you expect him to make. And he's done that mm -hmm. the past two games, and he's done pretty well. Dave, did you have anything you wanted to add on Brad Knight? And I think I saw you raise your hand. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I was just going to say that I think Brad Knight would be the first person to use the word mediocre before Bruce even. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that is a very, like, a, a coach talking to a veteran keeper, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't think Bruce would say that to like if if it, if he was like a very young keeper. This is a veteran keeper, and Brad would be the first person to hold himself up to that standard, and mm -hmm. and I think he he responded uh, well to it because it was it was a horrific mistake, right? But it was something that I think that he's I know it's been in his mind this entire time, and he's been working to like not have any more mistakes and working hard to be as good as he could be. I think that's a very veteran response. And I, I, I think that he would be the first person to criticize his performance against Toronto. A very veteran response, I think is a very good way to put it. Bruce Arena himself obviously is a goalkeeper, so he might hold uh, Brad Knighton to a little bit of a higher standard than other players on the pitch. But I, the way you put it, yeah, that, that was perfect. It was, it was a very great response these past two games now from Brad Knighton to really go out and show, Hey, I am a veteran. I know what I'm doing. That was kind of a fluke. Let's just keep going. And, uh, back-to-back shutouts, uh, stats don't lie. Okay. I'm back. Did I cut out there for a second? You went on mute for a minute. Uh, 
I don't know if you were saying anything, but I don't know. I don't know what happened, but we're going to go to Bobby here. Bobby's uh, requesting to speak. I, suddenly, my phone just phone just went blank. So, uh, you know, over 30 revs, hashtag over 30 revs. I apologize in advance. But uh, Bobby, I think you're still connecting. Hopefully you connect in soon. Bobby, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Great. I have two questions. So the first one is considering where the revs are right now, what team scares you guys the most? Uh, and then secondly, with the formation that we saw today, does it make you feel a little more comfortable if Tejon is transferred, uh, knowing that we can actually play a little more narrow and still be successful? Yeah, I'll answer that second one. I absolutely think it makes me feel a lot more confident. Even if Tejon isn't sold, which if I was a gambling man, I don't think he is. I think the worst case, what we see, I think the fastest way for him to leave New England is something we saw with like Brandon Aronson in Philadelphia last year where they agree to a transfer at the conclusion of the MLS season. Um, I don't think Bruce Arena is selling when he's got a first place team. So I, I'm not, he, he, but even if he was sold, um, yeah, I, I think it, it gives me a lot more confidence that we can play without him. Um, and even if we have him, it gives me confidence that we have more than one style of play that we can succeed at. Um, the first question, I don't remember. Chris, do you remember his first question? Yeah, first question. So what other team would uh, would we maybe want to keep an eye on uh, to be a threat for the revolution? And for me, that's got to be Orlando City. Uh, they've been playing very well so far all season, and they haven't just been beating teams. They've been dominating teams for the most part when they do win. It's a team that you really got to keep an eye on. Uh, they're very solid defensively, and they are very explosive in the attack. Uh, uh, Probably the the best all-around team, in my opinion, in the Eastern Conference. So, yeah, Orlando City would be the team that I would say to look out for. Greg, I don't know if you have a different team in mind, but uh, for me, it's, it's OCSC. Yeah, if we're talking about the East, I, I would choose Orlando, too. And I also kind of feel like there is that added extra motivation from them that New England was the team that knocked them out. And so I, I almost and kind of embarrassingly too. Yeah, I, I almost feel like there's a little bit of unfinished business from their side. So if we end up beating the playoffs, not that I'm scared of them, uh, but I, I just feel a little uneasy about it because you know they're going to get up for that game, whether it's in Orlando and New England. I also don't want that game in New in, in Orlando with a full capacity crowd um, with Daryl DK and Nani uh, on that team. So I, I would go with Orlando in the East. If we're talking about the whole the whole league, Seattle's really good. I mean, Seattle mm -hmm. is just a really really strong team right now. That. Uh, you know, if, if we get to MLS Cup and they're the opposition, I, I, that's the one team that I think, okay, we're pretty solid underdogs in this one. Um, but, yeah, if we're, we're talking about the East, um, Orlando City is the team that gives me the most pause overall. Um, we're uh, going to go to Mark in a second. Chris, uh, while we're waiting for Mark to come in, did you have any thoughts on uh, playing centrally, and uh, does it give you confidence um, in the event that Tejan is sold? Yeah, it's... Yes and no. So the way that the, the refs have been playing, uh, as far as tonight we're looking at, and then a few nights ago in Atlanta, you, uh, Mike brought up the point, too, that there was very different formation or very different personnel in a very similar uh, formation. I think the reason they went with that was because Atlanta maybe has a much weaker attack. So you went in and you really doubled down on that defense to make sure that nothing's going in. And maybe that's why not as much... Uh, not as many goals went in for the Reds in that match as they did tonight, where tonight you're looking at a Miami team that has a much weaker defense compared to the attack. And so you just double down on your offense and really push players and put the pressure in. It seems to work, especially on a situational basis. 
like against Atlanta, like against Miami. Uh, is it going to be like that against every team in the East or in MLS in general? I don't think so. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily a sustainable model for what the Revs have to offer with their current personnel. I would think that Tejan staying and uh, going to a more wide formation uh, and a more balanced attack and defense uh, formation, I think it is the way that they, they need to, to go going forward. Uh, Mark, we got Mark here. I want to get to his question real quick. We're running at about an hour, so I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to say run through this quick, but uh, we got a couple of questions on Discord and we got one more Twitter question. Uh, but Mark, we'll go to you first. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? I just want to end on the uh, what teams scare me real quick. Uh, I agree with you guys on uh, Orlando and Seattle. Also, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, Orlando and Seattle. Ter- I mean, I'm, I'm, I would not be excited to see them. I- I'm hoping we, we get a bit of an easier path, but I hope we end up getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And, you know, it, it is kind of crazy that we're in a supporter shield race, uh, so to speak. So Yeah, with Kellen Rose, Seattle Sounders, nonetheless. Yeah, Kellen Rowe revenge game. That would be a hell of an MLS Cup. Yeah. Actually, I remember what my question was. Yeah, go for it. Um, I'm still kind of learning about all these different tournaments and international play, but how long does the Gold Cup go for? It's about a one-month tournament. Uh, I think it ends the beginning of August. Okay. First week of August? August 1st is the final. Thank you. So the Revs have, I want to say, actually, well, it's on a different tab, but I think they have two or three more games if the USA makes the final without uh, Matt Turner. And then it's presumably uh, Tejan will come back sooner because I expect Canada to get knocked out sooner. Although after that USA-Canada game, I guess I shouldn't be talking about USA making the final like it's a sure thing. You know, God God forbid that they they crash out early. But uh, we did get another question real quick about another uh, tournament here. The 2022 Open Cup was announced this week. Charles Maddox says, with the release of the U.S. Open Cup coming back, um, would this lineup be suitable in that instance, uh, or is this uh, too early to look into? Um, and I'd say it's a little too early to look into because we don't know if Tejon and Matt Turner are going to be here. Um, and the other thing, too, with the Open Cup is we need to know what the depth pieces are. And so you can see, you know, if we're going to see seven, eight players in the Revs in the offseason, um, you know, I, I, it's kind of hard to judge who you're going to be running out there in the early stages of those games. Uh, but you will have some quality players. You'll see some John Bell and Masial, uh, you know, types in the uh, in the U.S. Open Cup in those early rounds. So they, they should be competitive. I don't expect them to lose to the Carolina Railhawks or whatever we, you know, the, the, those USL sides and, you know, Western Michigan or whatever that we ended up losing to a few times. So, um, yeah, they, they should be competitive. I expect them to go for it. But it's tough to see how competitive they're going to be there. Or if Chris is going to get it canceled again next year. You never know. I, I will be up in arms. This the U.S. Open Cup is the greatest tournament in this continent, right? It's I. It's just like the FA FA Cup over in England. It's it's so much fun to watch. There's so much uncertainty. There's the magic of the cup. It happens in the in the states as well. You know, think back to 1999 when was it the the raging rhinos? The, the raging rhinos. Thank you. Uh, they won. They a USL team beat an MLS team to win the U S open cup. Um, yeah, the magic of the cup. It's, it's my favorite tournament by far. Um, maybe as, uh, of all tournaments, it's probably second to the world cup. Um, so I absolutely adore the U S open cup and 
if it does not happen in 2022, I am going to be extremely grumpy. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap this up because clearly you have been drinking a little bit, Chris. That's a hell of a take there. Second second uh, favorite tournament other than the World Cup. Woo. You have no idea how much I enjoy the U.S. Open Cup, and I've barely been drinking. Just to set the record straight. My second I, favorite. I tournament. think the Rochester Rhinos could beat France in a ninety minute game. The the Rochester the Rhinos could win, beat England right? in penalties. Exactly. Mike isn't here anymore, so I can say that. Yeah. Uh, we did get one more question here. Uh, actually, a couple of questions. I'm going to run through it on Discord real quick. What are our thoughts on the $4.7 million offer for Tejan Buchanan? Um, and I believe that is from Lens in yep. France. I think that's their second bid for Tejan Buchanan. Um, mm-hmm. That is kind of some real money that, you know, I'm expecting to see those offers coming in. Um, I, I don't know how much of this interest is real because it seems like, there's been a ton of teams interested in them, and it seems like the names are flooding in. And certainly Buchanan is getting a lot of interest at the Gold Cup, especially after that U.S. game. I, I thought he killed it in the U.S. game. Um, so that's a good starting point, that $4.7 million. In my mind, if I'm the Rebs, I think my number is about $6 million. I, I think that's kind of the, the point mm-hmm. where you get to some serious offers because um, he's a really developed player that can make a, a really strong impact on the wing. So that is my thoughts. I, I think it still could get a little bit higher, but um, as I said a few minutes ago, I don't expect him to go anywhere in the 2021 season. Um, Dave, do you have any thoughts on that? I saw a hand raised there. Yeah, for sure. I don't think he's going this um, this season, uh, maybe in the winter, but uh, $4.6 million or whatever is not going to be the number, especially with um, Busio just went to Venezia for uh, a total of with all the um like the added um added money if he plays well enough could go for like 10 million that's the number for busio total the tejon is going to be a lot more than 4.6 that's a that's a very good point uh chris did you have anything you want to add on the transfer rumors here not a whole lot with the tejon thing it's my my number is about the same as yours i've been saying six to eight million is the starting point uh anything less than that i think you say, thanks for your offer, but we're not interested. It, it, that has to be basically the bare minimum. He, he's not going to go for Daryl DK money, but uh, he's going to go for a lot. The Buzio deal still kind of blew me away with how much I, he's a, such a great talent and he has got a lot to do, but I think he's still got a lot more developing to do. I think Tejon might be further along as far as the development goes. Mm-hmm. And six to eight, I think, is a fair starting point. And I think anything from that point on, it should be considered a serious offer. And I think that maybe in the winter, something around that uh, that figure will will manifest. The, the only other point I'll add is I would be surprised if he lasts in New England over the winter because if I believe, I believe mm-hmm. this is his third season with the Revolution. I believe he was a rookie in 2019. And super draft contracts, are tip draft contracts are typically four years. And I don't recall him ever signing an extension or a new contract. So next year might be a contract year for for Buchanan. Uh, And if that's the case, I I think the Revs might be very motivated to move on and risk an injury in 2022. Um, I I don't think they're going to sign him to another contract. They'd have to sign him, maybe not to a DP-level contract, but um, they're they're certainly going to have to give him a a huge raise. They'd have to move him off of the supplemental roster, Um, and it'd be a little bit tricky. He wouldn't be as team-friendly as he is currently. Um, And also, I don't know if they want to sign him as opposed to Getting eight, you know, if we're talking eight million dollars, um, there was someone that that 
had a the average valuations for MLS teams, and they also had projections of revenue. And MLS teams, on average, project forty-five to fifty million dollars in revenue. So, bringing eight million dollars on one player, that probably opens up your pocketbooks for your next DP. Uh, it, it's a really big building block for your team, where you're going to increase your budget, you know, ten to fifteen percent. So, I would love to see what the reaction is from, or what sort of response, you know, the crafts have once they see, hey, we got this player. For zero dollars, uh, the super draft. I don't think there's any sort of fee that you have to pay to draft a player. Maybe there is behind closed doors that I don't know about. But no, you no, get no. a player for free, and you can yeah. sell that player in just a few years for eight million dollars. That's a, a great return on investment, if you ask me. And I know the crafts are all about doing business. When they see that, I would love to see what what that would do as far as how they would possibly grow the team or what they would put into the organization from that. Yeah, I think Daryl DK and Tejan Buchanan are kind of opening some eyes that there is some value in the draft as long as you develop these players. Um, and yeah, Henry Kessler, too, yeah. Yeah, I think the Crafts are going to have to send a fruit basket to Mike Burns and Brad Friedel um, <laughs> for, for leaving him for Bruce Arena. Uh, and also maybe a fruit basket to the other eight teams. I was looking at uh, the picks in front of them, uh, and you would have thought Toronto would have been interested in a hometown player in Tejan Buchanan. Uh, but instead, they went with... Uh, Boy, was named Griffin Dorsey, I think, who made four appearances and played seven minutes uh, before being released and going to Houston this season. So that was a pretty huge miss on Toronto's part that they could have had the Canadian superstar that's killing it in the Gold Cup. Uh, and Chris Armis failing yeah. again, right? Uh, he was not with Toronto at that time. Yeah, I know. We can't Sorry. blame all of I'm not trying to put another dig on Armis, yeah. as, you know, RBNY, but... <laughs> uh, Randy says uh, to follow up on uh, any Rev UK's thoughts tonight uh, Masiel is to him this year's Henry Kessler the player who kind of comes out of nowhere to not just be a contributor but a vital piece of our defense I think that's a really really solid point um, I don't have much to add on that one I don't know if you have any thoughts on that Chris, but I, I think Masiel is definitely if there was an award for um, out of nowhere player of the year uh, I think this definitely goes to Masiel I agree that that award goes to Masiel. Last year, we go to Henry Kessler. And if the Revolution can find a way to do this, maybe consistently year in and year out, find one player to maybe create so much more value than ever expected, uh, this team would be essentially unstoppable. You keep keep creating talent like that from nothing. Uh, it's it's really impressive. And uh, yeah, it's, it's credit to, to Bruce Arena and staff for bringing players like Masiel and Henry Kessler in. Uh, just wrapping up some questions we got on Discord. Cameron says, uh, "Was this game? Was this the game that will kickstart a series of incredible uh, performances from Tristison?" I think we kind of covered that a little bit in the beginning, uh, where I, I think playing centrally probably helps him, uh, and it certainly will boost his confidence a little bit. So I'm really encouraged from what we saw from him. But I also, you know, we, we saw two assists from him earlier, and I feel like we said positive things. So um, you know, maybe maybe it's just a matter of getting comfortable in MLS and finding his footing with the team. Um, so I, I, I'm curious to see how he carries that over into the next game. Uh, but I, I'm certainly very encouraged from him and a really, really strong performance tonight uh, from Tristison. Um, we got another question. Oh, TSP11 says, uh, to follow up on the center back conversation we had earlier, the center back I'd like to see the rev sign is Ventura Alvarado. American Pacey, good in the air, solid passer, uh, checks a lot of boxes there. Um, we, got a, we got a request for more Waffle House talk. Which, uh, by the way, Yaman's dude said he was going to follow up with some Waffle House talk today. I don't know where he is. Uh, so I guess I'll have to la wait till the next Twitter spaces. I'm a little <laughs> disappointed in that one. Um, and then TSB11, another one. Is this game, is a game like this against an opponent that is a sign that our secondary attacking players are hitting their stride? Or is this just a nice day for the fans to enjoy with no future implications? Um, and I, I think it's 
probably more of the second one because I think Miami is really bad. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I, I think we saw the depth of this team. I think we saw Teal Bunbury play as a forward, which he's not going to do a lot, and kill it. Uh, and I think we, we saw Tristesen kind of play centrally and play to his strengths and kind of kill it. So um, when we, you know, I, I, when we're missing guys like Bo and, and Tejon, this is still a dangerous team, and that just kind of shows the depth that Bruce has. I rattled off a ton of stuff there. Any, anything to add, Chris? No, there, it was a ton of stuff, and it was a little bit much to digest but yeah it's uh not a whole lot that you can necessarily take away from this game specifically i think like you mentioned miami is a bit of a dumpster fire at the moment and uh no going forward i i, I don't think i i, I want to jump back real quick to the tristison talk uh, there was a comment there saying is this going to maybe kickstart his season i'm not 100 percent certain that it's going to really kickstart his season as far as creating a momentum that he's going to carry over. If he's playing in this type of role, maybe we see him produce a bit more, but it does make a lot more sense when you think about how he's been playing out wide, how he would always drift to the inside, and you can maybe see and understand a bit more as to why he drifts inside so much more than a typical winger normally would. Yep, and by the way, Sean Donahue just tweeted out that the second Carlos Carlos Hill assist uh, is gone again. It's off of the MLS page. So this has been on and on, on again, off again. Uh, and hopefully by the morning we have this settled out and he has two assists rightfully in his column. Uh, Listen, but- the ball grazed a tie <laughs> of a Miami defender. Like, kind of. I, there it's is ridiculous. a I'm so here. mad. It's no, it's, it's no surprise here that the MLS hates the New England Revolution. And there's a conspiracy here. There's, that's the only explanation. David Gass is behind this. Yeah. Damn you, Weeby. Um, <laughs> I think we're good. My, my phone is at 6%. Does anyone else have any thoughts? You can please uh, raise your hand if you have any thoughts here. But, Chris, uh, while we're doing that, why don't you give uh, where people can find you on social media? Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, you can find me here uh, on Twitter, uh, at Chris Falugas. I'm here every day, pretty much, uh, talking all things Revs and uh, personal stuff as well. You can find me over at Roger Volt. You can find Roger Volt as well, listening into this Twitter Spaces account. Um, and Roger Volt account is also available on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook, although we're a lot more active on Twitter. Also say hi to us on Discord. I'm on every now and then. Um, and also, everyone congr- uh, give congratulations to Chris, uh, who just bought a house. We're going to miss next weekend because Sean and I are going to be traveling, and Chris uh, is going to be moving into his new house. So uh, congratulations to you, Chris. Uh, it's a good reason to miss the, the next game this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations on that. Uh, thank, you, thank you, thank you. I think we're all set on comments here, too. And as I say, my phone is dying. But uh, a lot of people were in this uh, Twitter spaces for a long period of time. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I know this isn't the smoothest way to do a live show, uh, but we greatly appreciate you listening and supporting us. Uh, And also, please, uh, I got to hammer this home. Uh, Make sure you check out GolassoKits.com. Follow them at GolassoKits on Twitter and on Instagram. They show off uh, their new kits every single week. They have a Friday unboxing. uh, So make sure you check out uh, their kits. And also... Please, for the love of God, give us a review on iTunes. If you haven't done that yet, (laughs) you are personally hurting me. You are hurting my feelings. I haven't gotten a new review in months. I check every single day, and I cry when I don't get a new review. So if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes yet, go over. Go give us a five-star review. I greatly appreciate it. After that, thank you, everyone, for listening. Go Revs.